Yes, Jamie. Yes. Come on. Come on. I'm still typing out bloody messages. We've got fucking hundreds. Hello until... Oh, God. Hello it's and welcome. Yeah. Is my microphone right? That was code for yeah. I've never seen Tom this nervous. I'm sure painting us in the best picture. Yeah, tomorrow. sorry. Sorry, Mason. Yeah, we are totally professional. Oh, obviously, we're athletes, so you know. <laughs> Hello and welcome to our episode this week. And this week we have another special guest, this from this time from the, the world of football. Stefan, do you want to do the uh, introductions? Yeah, and uh, for the first time, Tom isn't sat there with a massive boner. <laughs> a player. So that's a good thing, Jamie. Anyway, so we have Jamie Jackson on, who is a sports supporter for The Guardian. Jamie, do you want to introduce yourself and let us know what you do? Yeah, I'm uh, Jamie Jackson. I'm the Manchester football correspondent of The Guardian and the Observer newspapers. So I cover United and City sort of week in, week out. Um, I'm also an author. I've got a biography of Holly Gunn and Solskjaer coming out. I've, I've had a, a novel out. I've got another one coming out, hopefully. Uh, and I like disco. There you go. Wow. Okay. There you go. See, you got a full picture of you there. So, <laughs> Sorry, Tom, I've got to ask this. So are go you as bad as Tom with the books? Because Tom plugs his book at every possible moment. Like any conversation, down the park, anywhere, he's, he's plugging that book. Are you as bad as him? Well, I, is it bad? I mean, I just want the world to appreciate some decent art. Yes, Jamie. <laughs> yes. Great art. <laughs> Love it. I'm loving this interview already. <laughs> That's his comeback sorted now. For the next <laughs> but yeah, the, to, be, to be honest, Stefan, the answer is yes. <laughs> exactly. You can't not, can you? I mean, the amount of time that went into it, it just, it's just got to be talked about. Yeah, exact mundo. <laughs> just, just make sure the second half of the book is as good as the first half, because Tom's drops down quite badly in the second half. He's padding it out towards the second half. <laughs> it's not true, it's not true. Read, read it and, and let me know and, and come back. Yeah, I mean, What's quite pleasing for me is the novel I had, I've got out, Nighttime Cool, people kind of are always asking when's the next one. So, you know, That's they nice. obviously thought it was half entertaining, which is what it's about, isn't it? You know, at any book, you're telling it some sort of story. The Broken Trophy Podcast. Catch us on Twitter at The Broken Trophy and on Instagram at Broken Trophy Pods. So, obviously, with lack of sport, how are you coping? What are you, what are you writing about? What are you, what, how, are you, how are you passing your days apart from homeschooling the kids? Well, it's a good question. I am still working. I'm actually, I'm always off on a Thursday, so I've been off today. So today has consisted of me playing about the, I don't know, 80th or 90th or 20th test match with my son in this endless series we're playing. So, uh, I mean, we're in the fourth innings. I batted second, and I think I need 55 to win this test match and he needs to get five wickets. So a bit of that sort of thing. All to play for then. So it is, yeah. Yeah, the, the track's a bit playing up, you know. Swearing. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> a few um, demons. I've got a daughter, so she, she, I've been sort of watching her trampoline, but I'm also writing another novel. Sorry to get another plug in there. So I'm also doing that. I get, I get up basically every morning at about five do yeah. some writing on the fiction or previously it was on the biography and then that takes me to about half six and then go for a run and then I'm set up for the day. Jesus. I'm basically, if you can imagine, I'm like a sort of South California living lifestyle person in sort of Cheshire. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wear um, open-toed sandals, eat mung bean salads and I'm just very, you know, very zen. That's me. <laughs> oh, okay. 
I think you and Stefan would just be like two peas in the pod here. You're always up at about that time, Steph, going for a run or a swim. It's less on the food side, but that's fine. You can't have everything, can you? How was your routine then when you were writing? Was it the same? Get up at five and start writing? No, I was I was completely the opposite. So I would I would I'm really lazy getting up in the morning, but I will go all night, as it were. I I sort of write. So is very lucky. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. No, I sort of I'd write till one, two in the morning. I'd you know, I'd get on a charge and I'd just I'd just go for it. Um, and I think that comes from like watching England play cricket abroad because you know when they're playing the Ashes, yeah. it's through the night and stuff. So I've just always been that end of the day, really. So yeah, that was more that was more my thing, really. Well, it's done. Yeah, I can't it. believe we're back onto cricket already. Come on, come on, let's move on to the football. Let's move on to the football. Come on. <laughs> okay. All right. So I mean, I guess what what you know, from your opinion, what are the footballers doing? Are they allowed to are they allowed to train much or not? Are they being given? I'm assuming they're being given programs by the nutritionists and that kind of stuff. Or and I saw yeah. um, Jose got caught in the park. Yeah, that's a good question. That they're obviously well, yeah, that, that's <laughs> all, yeah. What not for the first time you wonder what he was actually doing there. But, um, <laughs> no, that, yeah, I think I think I think they're um, they're training with their own programs, as you mentioned, at home. Uh, it's an interesting one because you know most of them, or certainly top ones, will have. I'm guessing big grounds or gardens, yeah, yeah. so you, you know you should better keep relatively fit. But it's not the same, is it? But yeah. what I would say about it is, in my opinion, is when when it, it when if it does resume, however you want to phrase it, everyone's kind of in the same boat. Yeah. So you know you're going to need two or three weeks. It won't be ideal to get up and running in terms of a sort of mini pre-season or whatever you want to call yeah. it, and then away we go. Uh, I mean, close, behind closed doors seems to be the solution. Well, it is the solution everyone's pushing for at the moment. But what, I was talking to someone today about this. Uh, and what you've got to think about is, I don't know, let's say it's Liverpool to win a game to claim the title officially. You're going to, and, and, you know, it's behind closed doors and it's at Anfield or wherever. You're going to get a lot of people congregating outside that ground. Yeah. So, how, yeah, true. you know, in anticipation of that. I mean, it, it, even United, because they are so massive, are going to have a similar thing. Yeah. So... Um, one of the concerns here generally in football is if the NHS is basically still on the front line, you know, then how good a look is it for football if they're kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Putting the NHS in in a position where they might be under pressure they don't need to be. So that's a massive concern in all this. And I think it's a right to have that concern. So, you know, the, the whole thing is, you know, it's, it's a nightmare for all sorts of reasons. I'm talking about the, the virus in, not, not football. I mean, you know, part of it is, again, someone said this to me, what happens if, let's say, it is resumed and, I don't know, a relocation-threatened team, one of their players get, gets gets the virus yeah, yeah. Yeah. in training. What do you then do with that club stroke, that squad? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it will be so, interesting. But, you know, is it... This Tour de France decision, have you seen that, gents, today? Yeah, late, that, yeah. Late August. It, yeah, I mean... And the, PG, and the PGA Tour from June... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to mention that. So it's, it's interesting the way this is going to unfold. Um, I, I think we, we should be feel very lucky, if I could put it that way, if the season does resume, I don't know, June or July. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. At the moment where we are, he's just said, as we discussed before, three weeks, another lockdown. That takes yeah. us, what, into May-ish? Yeah, yeah mid-May. May. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so let's wait and see. I just think no one really knows. They can do all the mapping and modelling, etc. But the fact that they, you're saying today, was it Rob, that we haven't reached the peak, or that's what he's been yeah. told by his scientists and his yeah, mo- yeah. modellers. 
don't know. So yeah, football would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah. I guess what's your view on, on, on awarding Liverpool the title and the three that are, that are bottom now go down? I mean, as a Southampton fan, more than happy for those three to go down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, and that, well, I mean, it, it, there isn't an ideal solution. So you could do that or you could say that no, no one gets uh, relegated and those who are in the promotion size get promoted. And you have like a, a 23-team Premier League. That was one solution. Wow. So I don't know. But then you have all the implications of what about if you're in the playoffs or, you know, I don't know. It is, it is, this is why they're really pushing for the season to, to, to finish. And I suppose in terms of time frame... They could probably what, what have they got most Premier League teams nine isn't it I think there's games left I think there's something three, like four that yeah. got ten yeah you could probably do those if you had to two you know three a week it's kind of what they do in the in the you know yeah, yeah. In, in regulation season so you could probably get get that done in about three or four weeks yeah so you know I don't know about Liverpool obviously are the champions in, in all but name uh, but yeah it's you know I mean the other thing is is you know the you know the transfer window. What happens there in terms of you know how much money a club's going to be losing? They don't really know that yet. You know, obviously they're yeah. losing money at the moment. So they'll match receipts, blah blah blah, um, and that's obviously going to affect their transfer budget. Some clubs are obviously better off than others. You know, United is a great example because of all the things that Woodward stroke the club get teased for all these sort of noodle yeah. sponsors and myriad things all over the world. But that actually means that they're not as reliant on you know gate revenue, etc. So. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting smorgasbord. It's Indeed. incredible. Isn't it? I mean, you, I suppose you could have a, a scenario where the season does finally come to a conclusion, and the, the start of the next season has almost got to got to start within a couple of weeks of that. Almost. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're definitely right. I mean, yeah, you you could. Have, that's actually quite an interesting. You could almost roll it. Yeah, maybe have a yeah. week break, but just roll it on. I hear yeah. what you're saying. So. In many ways, the first sport that gets back on was going to get watched by billions. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah, the yeah. money, yeah, the money involved. But anyway, that's that suddenly got a bit serious. So I'm going to yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, have you, so have you? Are you allowed to have a team? Is it a bit like referees? They're not allowed to, to have a team. And yeah, well, I, I, I don't. I'm a lapsed Nottingham Forest follower, and so that was my team when I was a kid, and, right. I, and I was into them properly then. Uh, but I don't really. I, I just look for their results now. I always say, and it's because it's true, that it's better when both the teams I cover are doing well. I was like City and United, just because people are happier, the people you deal with are happier. Yeah, yeah, um, of course. You, you, yeah, you know, I had that it's a, actually better I copy. I a question for you, because for you, actually I'm relatively new to Southampton. I moved down here in my 20s, and I'm from Dover, who haven't really got a team. When I moved to Southampton, I was amazed by how much the impact of having a Premier League team, or first division in those days, I guess, has on the town. So when they're doing well, everyone's properly buzzing about it. You know, you smash, you smash Pompey, the place is buzzing. But then when they, <laughs> yes. went, when they went down, you know, when they had all the issues, they went down a couple of leagues and everything else, the whole town seemed to kind yeah. of, not yes. suppress, but just drop a bit. And now it's kind yeah. of come back up and they're doing okay. And the manager's kind of turned things around a bit. There's that buzz again around it. And people are kind of commenting on Facebook and talking about it, you know, at the pub, hairdressers, whatever. I, I can't imagine what it must be like in Manchester to have two teams, two teams who are, who are challenging for stuff and doing relatively, you know, doing quite well. Yeah, it was interesting. So before I had this job, I lived in London covering, yeah, all sports, but mainly football. But London is actually, I happen to actually be from London. I was born in London. Though. I never really uh, lived there too long. But the difference between there and Manchester is unbelievable because obviously it's, it is, football is big there. You've got whatever it is, five, yeah. six, seven 
you know, Premier League clubs. But when you when I came to Manchester, it, it kind of similar to what you just said then, Stefan, about going to Southampton. It, it really is a football town. Yeah. I know it's stating the obvious, but until not, not being from Manchester, when I came up, I could not believe actually how much it sort of, if I could put it this way, yeah, life centres around yeah. City United. It just, it just uh, and so you do notice, I mean, you know, it's, United are always a massive story because of Manchester United, no matter how well they're doing, good or bad. In fact, you know, you, you might say that it's a, more, yeah, more, it can be more interesting if they're not doing so well. Whereas with City, that it's just been, un, you know, sort of on uh, constant success in the seven years I've done this job. And you, yeah, you, you do notice it. You know, my, my wife is from near her, near here. Um, she, you know, her dad's a United fan. She's United. Got loads of friends who are City fans. You know, this part where I live in Cheshire, it's quite near Stockport. That's traditionally, you know, if I can generalise that, you know, in terms of because it's quite near to actually to, to certainly where the ground is now. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, you know, this is really a two-team, two massive team, massive, yeah, uh, City. You know, I mean, it, you've got the football, you've got the music here. You know, I yeah. think that's yeah. fair to say. You know, the sort of whether it's the bands or the sort of, yeah, the sort of the nightclub, the, the house music, the disco stuff. The Broken Trophy Podcast. Give us a follow on SoundCloud and on Apple Podcasts. Because we had we had someone on the pod, actually, when we first started, actually, Mike, a friend of ours, and he's a Liverpool fan, but he lives in New Zealand, or then moved over here. And he was talking about how he gets accused quite often of not being a real fan because he's not, you know, born, bred, living in Liverpool, going to every match, that kind of stuff. Hmm. And, I guess exactly the same thing with Man U. Is, is, is there still that element of, you know, being a real fan versus not? A little, a little bit. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned Liverpool. I'm glad you did because they're, they're the only club I, I would put on the same level as United, like both in, in our country, but also elsewhere overseas. Yeah. You know, again, when you go, I've been to Thailand with United, Liverpool's big there, I've been to Australia. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that what you say there, um, Stefan, because often what you'll get, or what I, what I see is you'll get fans who say they go to the, the games at, at Old Trafford, accusing those on, say, Twitter of not being real fans because they have sort of maybe, they're not as loyal or, or the, you know, they're too yeah, yeah. sort of boom and busting, you know, knee-jerky. Mm-hmm. I think there might be something in that because, you know, for example, David Moyes obviously wasn't a, a, a success at United. It took a long time for that, for that stadium for Old Trafford to, to show any dissent towards him, even though it was, you know, it was pretty dire and yeah. they haven't deal with being teased yeah. by City fans and all the rest of it but they still just because I don't know whether it's the same at Southampton because obviously I'm not a Southampton fan or, or you know other places but um, you know Mourinho got a good reception when he came back to United you know from the the, the, the yeah. fans in the stadium I mean he won him a couple of trophies that he should, he should yeah. do really but yeah I think there is a lot of there is this other breed not breed but there is this other strand of say United stroke football fans who don't who maybe are doing it more virtually and, and yeah. they, you know they, they just don't have they have a similar sorry they have a different way, way of uh, engaging with the, club, with the clubs they support so I guess so I guess then again as an outsider a bit for me Ole's not been a great manager. I'm probably getting shot by all the bloody fans now. But as an outside, <laughs> just watching football a bit, he hasn't really captured it. You know, he hasn't been that great. I wouldn't say he's of the standard that a man you should have, potentially. Um, so how come the fans haven't really been showing that, that dissent to him? Is that because he's a legend himself? Well, Has he got a bit of a... Well, it's, an inter- it's a very interesting question. First of all, and, and this is not me, but it's interesting, even using the phrase man you can get you into trouble. They don't like that, you know. Oh, really? That's something I didn't realise. Yeah, it's got to be Man United. 
for some diehards. There is a reason why, I think it goes back to, it was used pejoratively about United fans. Now, one of the reasons why that there has been more pace of him is the legend thing, but also yeah. because he had the, the, the sick or, or of kind of the, the, the sort of failures relatively since Ferguson left. But yeah. also, and, and part of that is they recognise he's got a massive rebuilding job. But it's interesting because for this biography that, that, that I've written, I've not yet finished the final bits of it. Because it, it goes up. Well, I am actually. I've mentioned that before. <laughs> did, I not, did I not bother? No, no, I didn't. So it's in. Is it, so it's interesting. So I'm now writing the last couple of chapters, which is where we are now in the season, and then whatever happens from now until basically the end of the season, if that happens. And the story has changed, kind of. I mean, it's, it's yeah, yeah. you know the book is about him from cradle to cradle to grave, right? It's a proper biography. It's not just about him as a manager here. But obviously, it's a massive part of it. But you know, through doing this, he, he's had a, he's, he's not just had a Nadir, you know, when he's been in charge. He's had several Nadirs. Yeah, they, yeah. They, you know, you think he's, he's reached rock bottom. Like, they, they lost to Cardiff in the final game of last season, 4-0. And that, that, just, that just sort of finished off a ridiculously bad run, basically from when he got the job permanently. And so there was a week uh, in early December where it looked like he was going to get sacked. Yeah. Or, or certainly there was a view that he... Because they were going to play uh, Spurs and then Manchester City in the league. And it was like, there's no way he's gonna, they're going to beat yeah. all for these teams. And they did. Yeah. You know, yeah, he's true. sort of almost inverted colours got out of it. So you go through all that, and then suddenly they signed Fernandez in January, and then Igalo to a lesser extent. He's been, you know, he's been a success as well, a sort of bit mm. of a left fieldy one. But Fernandez comes in, and suddenly it's a bit like a bit like a in a sort of smaller thing, smaller scale, a bit like Cantona was for sort yeah, of Ferguson yeah. in that. Yeah. Sort of, you know, he's kind of yeah, not transformed. That's too strong, but kind of. You know, there is. Uh, so, to answer your question, I think the club have given a lot of patience because they couldn't be seen to sack another, uh, another manager. And he's almost kind of come through. So, I don't think he's going to be sacked now before. No. Who knows in football? I don't, you know, let's say the season restarts. I think he's, he survives. And so, I think you have to judge him now next Christmas when he has a, had a second summer in charge, of, you know, of transfers, whatever shape, form that might be because of the, the coronavirus thing. And let's see where they are at Christmas, you know. But, yeah. It, yeah. There's been there's been a few times where it looked like he could go basically. Jamie, just on just on this because we've had a we've had a question in from one of our um, followers, uh, Ian Hemming from Jamaica, actually. Um, so yeah. is Ollie the right man for the job? I think we've sort of touched on that, but also have the pundits been too easy on Ollie, considering? Um, and he's sort of he's sort of he's sort of stating <laughs> a lot of them are sort of ex-United. Are they being a bit sort of? Are oh, they all teammates? Are they being a bit lenient on him? Well, it comes and goes. Again, I, I can give you examples of, you know, when he first came in, I remember, um, the, you know, Paul Lintz, who's kind of continued it, actually, saying, you know, why him? Why couldn't it be Bruce? I think there is a little bit of ex-teammates of his. You know, Roy Keane, who's obviously not short of an opinion, has never really gone against um, Ollie because he's a good friend of his, you know. Mm. So there is a bit of that. Um, too easy... I'm not so sure, really. I mean, at times, maybe. I mean, it, it kind of does depend on on who the pundits are. So, so because United was so good for so long, a lot of those, a lot of those successful players obviously became pundits. Yeah. You yeah. know, and so you've only, uh, but then, you know, then from a sort of previous generation, you've got Sooners, you know, Graham Sooners, and then yeah. more recently you've got Carragher, who are obviously Liverpool men, Liverpool players. So, you know, they might be more critical. It's just kind of the way it works with, with regard to punditry. 
Um, but you know, he, he's been he's been slaughtered left, right, and centre. Solskjaer at times, I would say, not not no, not from not, you know from some of these critics, but just just generally in, in the media newspapers, there's been a lot of criticism. That's mm-hmm. one of the things that I've always been impressed with him. He's always he's never really bitten back. He's never really sort of been sour or or or, or looked. Yeah, he's looked unhappy, of course, but he's never really looked annoyed or like you know sort of turned on the media, which. I, I wouldn't necessarily blame a manager, or I don't blame managers, but if, if they can get a little bit exasperated or, you know, they've just lost a game of football, the job could be on the line. You know, mm. if, you, if, you, if you're not going to sort of over, not overreact, but if you're not going to react vociferously, then when are you sort of thing? But he's never really done that. Mm. How, how, does that how does that work for you then? So you've got to write an article about him where he's just got smashed 5 0 by somebody or whatever, <laughs> kind of, you know, putting the boot in a bit because he's having you know, a bad run or whatever it is. And then the next day you're giving him a bell and saying, all right, Ollie, should we write that, that, that next chapter of my of the autobiography on you? Well, I mean, it, for a start, it's not an autobiography, so he's not, he's not contributing to it. But I, oh, okay. I, hear, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying about, about, about the question. I mean, there's sometimes when, I mean, not just with, with, with Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, but with Mourinho or Pellegrini when he was at City or, or Guardiola in his first season when, you know, he knows, you know, the manager knows the team has just stunk the place out. He yeah. knows that his tactics have made him look a little bit ridiculous or whatever it might be. And, and you know, they come into the, the sort of post-game presser and you just have to be, you have to ask the questions sort of politely, but you have to, still have to ask them. I mean, Mourinho, as we all know, because he's, he's, he's kind of done it again at Spurs. There was, there was a, a couple of, well, there was a few occasions when he, he basically said, they, they went out to Sevilla, for example, and he basically said that, that, that a lot of, this is the Champions League a couple of seasons ago that basically you know a lot of the severe players or some of the severe players were getting to his United teams he's basically saying his United team that players that he's trying to motivate and you know get to, to achieve wins for him were, were you know weren't that good and you know you, you then asked, I remember asking a question said do you not take a chance of alienating these players you know basically inverted commas losing the dressing room to, to to use that really cheesy football cliche, you ask him that, and it, you know you've got to ask, you've got to ask him. Sometimes you don't want to, but it, you know, I don't know. I've had a few run-ins with, with managers, not 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 Solskjaer, but I had, I had one with Mourinho, I've had one with Wenger, Ericsson. It's usually when you ask a sticky question. Mm. You know, I remember Mancini going pretty crazy at me once uh, when he was in charge at charge of City. I can't remember what that was about. Um, just be, just for asking. A question, you know, that yeah. probably a lot of people are thinking should be asked. That, that's part of the job, really. Just yeah. got to be polite um, and respectful. I quite, I quite like the uh, the Gordon Strachan videos of his put downs uh, um, to to reporters. They're quite good. Some of them, they're a bit old now, but there are uh, some of those you just think, okay, fair enough. That's that's yeah, you've nailed that. Well, I, I can remember he used to be a columnist for, for the Observer many years ago, and um, you know, which is uh, the paper I worked for before I went to the Guardian and worked for both. And I remember, go, go, I think, ghosting one of his columns. Then, then within recent sort of time afterwards, asking him a question and just completely doing what you just said there, you know, cutting me down. I just thought, Christ, <laughs> thanks a lot. I, I sort of sat there and ghosted your column. The Broken Trophy Podcast. Catch us on Twitter at The Broken Trophy and on Instagram at Broken Trophy Pods. Okay, so... I was glad we got a little bit serious again. So, next question. <laughs> I've, I've been amazed by the chat from the cricket lot about what they get fed at Lords during the match. So, to the point yes. of, they're getting a crumble in effect at half time. They're getting a three course dinner. <laughs> crumble. Well, this, this is this is this is players. This this isn't media. This is players, players. getting this. 
I mean, I, I can't get my head around going out to play professional sport for England with a belly full of crumble. But anyway, <laughs> that aside, so as a correspondent yourself, where, what ground or where, or where do you go, oh, yeah, I'm going there for a match. The food is going to be phenomenal. Right, this is, yeah, I can answer this with some authority because, you know, I, I, when I lived in London, I covered a lot of the clubs there as well. So Chelsea is amazing. You are looking, I mean, I don't know if it's changed now because it has been a couple of years, but you are looking at, Smoked salmon, oh. you know, all the sort of cold meats, all that sort of stuff. Just, j- just to start, and you're looking <laughs> at free. But I tell you what, Manchester, Manchester United and Manchester City are amazing. So United, wow. you're looking at often at, a, t- yeah, two two main courses plus a vegetarian option. You're looking at salad, you're looking at yeah, the sort of cold sort of roast beef, um, oh. uh, a dessert. You're looking at good coffee because they've got a coffee sponsor at halftime. It's, it's I'm actually high in chips. <laughs> uh, and then, and then, you know, at, at the end, you know, at the game, there's, there's, there's more of that. And, 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 you know, City at one point, and a, and a J- Jamie Oliver sort of concession there. So they had him, and I think they've had Tom Kerridge sort of providing the, the, the menu sort of thing. So both of those clubs, you're looking at, you know, re- I mean, City, even for the Friday press conference, so, you know, the sort of weekly pre-weekend game yeah. press conference, they will provide a really nice hot meal for that. Uh, uh, United, which is in the morning, uh, you get good coffee and good croissants for the Friday one. So, you know, we're, we're lucky. <laughs> right, so this actually segues into a question from one of our listeners, Nick, who was asking, about, who was asking about getting, in, getting into you know, the role that you do. Yes. Not the bloody journalism, I'd go for the food. <laughs> how, did you, how did you get into it? How did you end up doing right. job? Okay, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll try and make this very quick because it's actually quite a, a half-interesting story behind this. So, I've, I always wanted to, to write fiction, as we all know. And when I got to about 29, 30, I thought, well, it's not happening at the moment. What can I do? I, tried, I applied to do a criminology master's at Cambridge University. I didn't even get an interview, um, which I felt a little bit, yeah, whatever, um, oh, in, interested by, whatever. <laughs> so anyway, at that point, I gave in because I'd always avoided trying to go into journalism because it wouldn't interfere with my, my, my fiction. Anyway, cut a long story short. I got, did a master's in journalism. As part of that, um, you had to do work experience. And I went to the Observer. And this is in the days, so we were talking March 2002. So yeah. what's that, 18 years ago? Well, you could go to somewhere like the Observer, which obviously is Sunday papers. So it's a slower pace anyway. And I went there for five weeks. Anyway, in the second week, Arsenal were, were about to play Juventus in the Champions League. And they wanted to do a story on, on, on a footballer. who won place for Arsenal. He scored, um, it's called Paul Vasson. He scored the winner in the Cup Winners' Cup semi-final of 1980. Yeah. For Arsenal against Juventus. Yeah. This was the first time the two teams were playing since that game. And th- th- this chap, this football, unfortunately, had died the previous August. Okay. And that's all he knew. And he wanted to do the story of what had happened to him. How could he, you know, because he was only like sort of 39, 40. It was given to me by, by um, sort of sports editor because they couldn't find any, any information with their sort of journalists who'd looked at it for the previous two, three weeks. I, I, I read a lot of detective books when I was a kid and I thought, oh, you know, it's out there somewhere. No, and I also recognise this could be my, my break. So what I did was, I thought if he was 39 or 40 and had died, he may well have died of something, you know, not, not natural causes. I mean, he might have died of natural causes, but the chances were it might be something, and I thought it might be drug-related. If it was drug-related, he might have, you know, been addicted. And if he was addicted, he might have um, had to steal to fit, feed his addiction. And if he had to steal, he might have got caught for it. He might have been in court, yeah. And if he was in court, it might have been reported on by the local newspaper because he was once this sort of, half-famous yeah, player yeah. for Arsenal, it's yeah. good. So I called all the regional newspapers, local newspapers in England, and I got a break. 
on no the base way. of this break, I, I found out that he'd lived in a place called Aldershot, well, Cove, near Aldershot. Uh, and yes, I, I spoke to the local newspaper there, and this journalist said, oh yeah, I remember this guy, 1996, he said, this is six years before, he was in court here, I did the report on him, I'll, I'll call you back this afternoon. I was like, oh my word, this could be happening. He called me back that afternoon, he said, yeah, Paul, Paul Vasson, he was in court for shoplifting, kind of, what, kind of what I just sort of explained, and he lived at this address. So I went with this information to the sports owner, and said, I've just found this out. He said, crumbs, that's not, that's not half bad. And that's basically, that, that became the centre pages of that Sunday's sports supplement. It was written by the chief sports writer, Kevin Mitchell, who's still on our paper. He's the boxing and tennis guy, but at the time, he was the uh, chief sports writer, the Observer. It was a double byline by him. He wrote it. So it's by him and me, but I, I did most of the reporting. That's how I wow. got in. Because after that, Amazing. He, me, he basically gave me a job. So, that's a, so yeah, that, 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 that's how I pulled There's it. no that's such thing as a in. lost course, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It was, I, was, I was sort of... So, what I would say to anyone is, if you really love doing it, just just, 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 just hang in there, sort of thing. Hopefully you get a break. Yeah. yeah. So, on one day, you'll make it. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> I've got a renewed, renewed enthusiasm for it all now. <laughs> okay, so we've got some more questions. So, Andrew Kilduff, I don't know if you know him or not, he's asking, did Jamie stockpile toilet roll? And if so, how many you got left? I saw that question on, on, on Twitter. Um, I, I didn't actually, but I, maybe I should have done. Uh, tell you what, what, I am not stockpiling, but the one thing that, that there doesn't seem to be a run on, I'm certainly not you know not in our we're, we're getting deliveries um from supermarkets it, it's booze yeah so mm. i've just i've just taken delivery of eight bottles of red wine for example so that should, that should keep me going until the end of this interview do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but no but no um, I, I have to say there's one way of answering that question I, I spent a lot of time in india and in india i don't know if you if you know this but it's true culturally not culturally but just part of how, how they operate they have they have what i always call the eternal Lou Rollins. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Go on. Yes. Yeah, so I... Well, your hand. I work, yeah. there, I work there quite a bit as well. It's delightful. It, it, yeah, so... Lou know, there's, 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 well, there's always that option for people. There's, like, there are options. To it. Yeah. Also, you know. <laughs> I like exactly. We're, I like we're off topic again. So, <laughs> I guess, favourite player you've interviewed? Who's the player who's given oh. you that kind of interview? Oh, yeah. It's a really good question. Oh, crumbs. This is good. Footballer, is it? Yeah. Or... Yeah. Yeah, footballer. I'll tell you what, the very first proper interview I ever did was with Lee Sharp, who at the time oh, was still oh. playing. He was playing for was it Exeter or Torquay? I think it might have been Exeter. Yeah, so, so he ended up down the, there, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So toward the dog days of his of his career, if I can put it that way. But I went to interview him, and I had about two and a half hours with him, and I went through the whole card of, of everything that he he'd done at United, but all the sort of stuff that had been written about him in tabloids, whether it's true or not. Um, and that was that was pretty interesting listening to him. At one point, he well, not at one, yeah, at one point he was ahead of gigs at United. Yeah, you know, he he was the the sort of the young I just, star. I was just going to say, if gigs hadn't sort of gone come through at United, I mean, Sharp could have gone down as one of the finest left wingers, couldn't he? And what was interesting about him was he had eight years basically from when he was eight yeah. to twenty six, where he, he sort of packed a lot. He was in that Cup Winners Cup team, you know, the nineteen one yeah. team where Hughes scored against Barcelona. You know, he's yeah. part of. The, the first Premier League winning side, the first double winning side for United. You know, he did a lot in those sort of six. Yeah. So if he'd done all that in the second half of his career, no one would have looked upon him as kind of, you know, not fulfilling his potential. He just got bad injuries, etc. So Yeah, true. What's it like interviewing these big names? I mean, do you ever get nerves? Do you ever get nervous going up? 
I did when I was listen. I did when I was a, a kid in this. You know, when I when I was young, a sort of period. Um, I, you know, I just mentioned that when I was first breaking. Not really. No, I mean, you get like excited about it. Um, you know, I, I tell you when I was really nervous. I went to do Brian Clough when um, very early on, and he had the hardback of his of, it, of, of his sort of book coming out. I went to interview him and his um, at his publishers uh, in London sort of near Euston and Nigel was there actually and I, I you know as I mentioned before I'm a forest mm. you know, and, and when he was the manager that was kind of when I was properly into yeah. it I was nervous then but I'll tell you what you know it's as you might imagine I went in there he took the mickey out of my short hair saying I needed to grow it and that was it I just put on the tape recorder I just sat there and ate sandwiches with that it was, it was a really <laughs> you know um and you should see the, some of the some of the quotes he, he uh he gave us he was brilliant so no I don't really get nervous but sometimes you get a little bit like mm, I wonder how this is going to go yeah. Um, you know, Mourinho's a little bit like that. Um, but Mourinho, I always, you know, I always enjoy Mourinho's press press conferences because he'd often, well, he, he, you know, he'd, he'd always answer your question more or less. And, you know, he's Mourinho, so he's good copy sort of thing. Yeah. Entertaining. I mean, I, read, yeah. um, I, was, I was reading um, or listening to a podcast with Jonathan Agnew, the cricket person. Yes. And he was talking about with cricket, you know, you go on tour the cricket team you're staying in the same hotel they yeah. get to know everything you said the day before and if a bowler or a batsman is an absolute stinker you're walking yes. for breakfast and he's sat there or you get you know, <laughs> told a story i think it was one of the bowlers he got in the lift with there's like 13 floors stopping at every floor <laughs> and um i guess what, what's that like Cause I, I, was, I know you said that you know the players and the managers know you've got a job to do but i know someone was slagging me off i'm not sure i'd be shaking around the next day quite so much. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Cricket is maybe slightly different in that regard because when, when we go on tour, say we're United, we're not in the same hotel or when we go to a Champions League game away, it's, you know, we used to get on the plane with, with, with the, the two clubs. Yeah, we used to fly with them. That, that stopped now. Oh, right. For two or three different reasons. It's very rare. I think once in doing this job, maybe twice, actually it just happened actually. It was just in that, that last game that, that United had before the... the coronavirus pause in Austria. I happen to be in the same hotels and that's very rare. We don't have that sort of relationship with, with the players. The people I know more at, at United and City, the media people basically, you know, sort of other, other staff there. Uh, so it's kind of, yeah, I mean, I, I've never really done England football, you know, properly sort of at a tournament. So I don't even think those boys no. necessarily are around them. But yeah, I mean, I know... I think it is different with the cricket. Um, and, and also, yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting because, you, you know, players now, football players now, will, you know, you will hear, oh, why, why has this ex-player said this about me? He should know, you know, let's say a Carragher or a Neville, he should know, but it changes, you know, and, and that, that player who's saying that may well, if they go on to be a pundit, be doing the same. It's just different roles, really. Yeah, um, it's very rare that you get, I mean, it does happen where you get a manager saying, to you in an open press conference, you wrote this, that's a load of whatever, or I don't agree with that. It doesn't really happen too much. No, fair enough. You know, because it, it doesn't look great. No. So we've got a question from Dan McGuinness, who's our supplier of serious questions. Dan, serious question. He just titled it Pogba. Does he think that um, he'd have been playing for United by now and next season? So basically, what's the view on Pogba, basically? And then yes. coronavirus, how's that affecting transfers and everything else? Right. Well, Pogba was was basically due to, to yeah to, to return after his injury before the, this happened with coronavirus. Will will he be there next season? Well, I tell you what, going back to Fernandez now, I wouldn't be 
previously I would have said that would be a massive surprise if Pogba's still at the club next season because of he's basically saying he wanted to leave and his agent keeps on saying it. But now with the Fernandez thing, it's more difficult to call. And this is kind of related to the second part of that question. It's a bit difficult now for any club to know what money they'll have for the for the for the transfer uh, mark in the transfer market, you know, the transfer window. So Pogba, that they would want minimum. I'm not saying they would get it, but they would want minimum the money back that they paid for. It's 90 million. In fact, they probably mm. last summer. I know it's changed. Time moved on. But last summer they were asking the thick end of 150 million, right? Now, which club? Let's say let's say it's 90 or 100 for Pogba. That's the going price. Yeah, clubs might have some money, but they just don't know what money they're going to have. And so to answer that, so to broaden it out in terms of the transfer window coming up, clubs club just don't know. You know, I mentioned before that United are in a better position, say than um, yeah. Some other clubs because of, you know they've got more money essentially, but it's still they're still they're still taking a hit. And I know that United, City, you can go through them, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal are all wondering what money they're going to have, what money they're going to lose. And so you know the, the, the stuff around at the moment, for example, on about Harry Kane, you know he you know United want him, they could pay whatever it is. I just don't think that's that 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 at the moment it, it is. Um, is on the cards. They, they, they can't sit there and say, we, we've got 150 or 200 million for Harry Kane um, or, you know, lesser amounts for, if it's Grealish, because they just don't, they just don't know. And I think that basically football, they just don't know what money they're going to have. So obviously they've got some money, but they don't know how much that money is going to be needed to cover the costs that, that, that you know, or, or the money that they're losing at the moment. That's what, you know, this wage thing is interesting, this, this deferral thing yeah. at the moment, because, Deferral just obviously means what it says. So you, they're still going to have to stump up this money in three. You know, is it going to be three months or is it going to be four or five or six? Um, so the transfer market, I think this is one of the stories of, of this coronavirus football is it's just left it kind of all up in the air. Mm. Yeah, I mean, with the Man City side, I mean, obviously, I've been enjoying Liverpool's play, but Man City have been not disappointing, but not quite at the races. Yes. What's been the experience of, of that for you around the ground? Because obviously, the, a couple of years before that, they were flying, you know, smashing people, Pep's doing his thing, and he's all lovely and charming. Yes. And suddenly this year, Liverpool have kind of kicked their ass a bit. What's that been like around the ground? And Mount well, Tottenham? yeah, I think he's built up a lot of good, sort of a lot of uh, collateral or goodwill, or however you want to describe it. So there's been disappointment, but um, it kind of almost had to happen a little bit because, you know, there's only one club and, and Tom obviously knows this better than me. He's won it three times in the, on the go, which is United twice. You know, and that's what City were going for this season. So it's not that big. Well, what the surprise has been, Stefan, is, is there's a massive, is, is the size of the gap. You know, that, that's, you know, whatever. I can't remember, what was it? Is it like 20 odd points? I kind of yeah, almost forgotten. It's just, yeah. yeah. Um, which is, is an absolute chasm um, when you consider that, you know, that last season City beat them by a, was it by a point? It was by a yeah. point, was it last season? Mm. Um, so I think, you know, if you, if you were to get into the next season and it's the same story, then I think you're going to get, again, you, you will still get football fans, City fans, who are as fickle as, as any other fo- football fans. You know, I've heard the moaning about Guardiola, which is kind of hilarious, oh. really. How can you moan <laughs> about this guy, you know, after what he's done there? Um, so, yeah, it's not really soured, and I wouldn't really expect it to. Um, well, again, what's interesting is that you can, look at the, you can look at that team two ways. You can say it's, it's ageing and it needs to, kind of a massive overhaul because you've got Aguero, who's going to be 33, I think it is, in May. David Silva's going. He said he's, he's leaving. Uh, Fernandinho's like 35, 36. He doesn't really, um, can't really see him playing regularly. I think that... Um, 
Ottomendi is sort of 30, 31. He's not, he's not very good. You know, you, you can look at that way and say, oh, those positions are key and they need over, need replacing and they do. But then you, there is a wave. You know, De Bruyne is probably the best player now there at that club. He's 28. Bernardo Silva. You know, Edison's a young keeper, you know. So, and you can sort of almost say that they, they, they've kind of done what they should have done, which is make sure there's a, you know, that, that the squad is deep enough to... But, you know, if you lose your all-time top scorer, which is Aguero, I'm not saying he's going to go this summer, but I'm not so sure about a player as many games next season. If you're losing that weight of goals, that's going to hurt you. I suppose just, just on that, Jamie, because maybe may a slightly leading question, but just in your experience watching football, I mean, what is that City team the best you've ever seen? You know, the, the football they've played? What, what was the best oh, you've seen? It's a very it's a good question, Mark. I think it probably is. In my reporting life, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the, the United side that... Um, Won the the, Euro, the the Champions League against against um, uh, Chelsea. Mm. You know, I didn't really report on them. Well, I didn't at all. I mean, like I saw seen them a couple of times. I wasn't a dedicated football reporter then, and I wasn't a United reporter. So in terms of, yeah, it's got to be the City team. It, without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. Um, you know, you could have an argument broadening it out. You know, the '99 United team won the treble. So I got for me, you can't for me that is yeah. the, the best team we've seen just because of the, just because of what they did. No one's ever done that since or before. But mm. yeah, I mean, in terms of pure football. You know, even Liverpool fans will say to me about this Liverpool team that steamrolled. Yeah, we, you know, I'm not saying all of them, but someone will say, yeah, we're not actually that attractive. For, you know, we've got some stellar players like you know, Mane and um, Salah, who are beautiful footballers, you know, Firmino, yeah. but they're not, they're not the sort of the poem, if I can put it in a cheesy way, that, 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 that City are not most. You know, they are, the amount of times I've been to that ground, cities, and seen... And you just know what's going to happen. It's just amazing just to sit there. They will absolutely crucify very, mm. very good football sides. You know, they just uh, at will. You know, he, he he does know what he's doing, Guardiola. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, um, obviously, you mentioned beforehand you've got a son and you're playing your uh, your test cricket in the back garden. Um, if your son, if your son then came back to you and you kind of you know was doing okay at football and wanted to kind of pursue a career in football and join the academy at one or other club, right? What's your What's your fatherly instinct? Is it good, bad, worried? What's the what's the ah? That's a very, yeah, very good question. He's at, he, he used to be a complete football nut, and he's now real cricket nut. No, I mean, listen. If if he was good, it's a bit of a standard question. Sorry to be a bit boring, but if he was happy to do it, then I I, I would I would encourage him. I mean, you know, the the, the champ. If, if I can put this, in, you know, using the word politely, what you're looking at an elite sport, it's kind of freaks, aren't you? Really, you're looking yeah. at. So what I'm trying to say is. The chances of my son or anyone's son or daughter making it to that level, you've got to uh, kind of less than minuscule, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so you've almost got to be a, a bit of a freak, a bit of a sort of, you know, you just, it always amazes me that, that you know, that, that these guys or, 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 you know, women get so far because there's so, you know, there's so much competition, but they obviously are so much, that, so much better. So if, if, you know, if you wanted to go into it, but if you, if you ask me a slightly different question, I'd rather be a, a top cricketer than footballer, I think, if it came to it. Because cricket's really? played in the summer, isn't it? So I get to follow him all around the world <laughs> in, in, the, in the sunshine. That is true. That is true. That is true. From a selfish perspective, that is true. <laughs> I love that. That's great. <laughs> the Broken Trophy Podcast. Catch us on Twitter at The Broken Trophy and on Instagram at Broken Trophy Pods. Well, I did have one other question come in from a listener. Uh, called Danny Bryan from Jersey and he asks and I think we should probably open this out to City as well but if we start with United 
Um, how long does he? Th- how long before he thinks um, United can be ser- can pose a serious title challenge if they strengthen this summer? And I suppose if we, you know, take that into City and like you said with their overhaul, I mean, yes. how 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 far are they away from matching Liverpool next season? I suppose. Solskjaer's line on this is, is that it was going to be two years. So that meant this two full seasons. That meant this one and next before they get close. Right. I, I don't think that. I think it'd be a massive surprise next season if they could contend seriously. That means week in, week out, grind out results or, you know, we'll win handsomely, whatever it is, we just keep on winning. But mm. I don't, I think if they have another window, kind of like they had last summer or even in January, they get two or three players who are making a team obviously noticeably better. Because on the back of that, Rashford now looks the A list consistent force of nature you need, you know, mm-hmm. who, who's heading for sort of more than 20 Premier League goals. You know, um, Martial is a bit in and out. You know, Greenwood. So I think the three players away from being, you know, a really serious proposition. I I still think it might be too early next. So let's call it another season. But you never know in football, you know, who thought City would would drop off so much this season. You know, they look like, well, come on. You know, so maybe Liverpool, maybe it will happen. Liverpool, it does go in, you know, it's a little bit lazy to say, but it does kind of go in peaks and troughs for, for sides. Um, City, interesting one because they do have this Champions League ban mm. over them that they're appealing. Um, I would suggest that if that it, I, I think what might happen there, they're, they're very confident in the club that they're going to get off. They have no doubt at all. So really? they obviously have some some information or some reason to think that. Yeah, that's that's what I'm told all the time. Now I you know maybe someone like me would be told that because they don't want the message to get out there that oh you know we're unsure about this. I'm not. I hear it from other other sort of uh, areas as well. But what I'm trying to say is, it, I think what might happen there is they might end up with a one-year ban, so it's reduced by one, and, and then it's going to be difficult, really, um, it, you know, to get any players in. Mm. Um, and then you might see other players want to leave. Like De Bruyne is an interesting one. I think he's already said he will stay. But if Real Madrid come in and say, you know, here is a hundred million. Um, or 150, it might be difficult for them to turn it down because blah, blah, blah. I, I, think, that, I, I think it's going to be a couple of years before City get back up there. Really? I, I think they're still... Yeah, I do, I do really, because mm. the silver thing, the Guero, I just don't see him... Maybe he's got one more absolutely amazing goal-scoring season, but you know, looking at it, there's a, a more ifs, buts and maybes about City because of these things we're talking about. Whereas, you know, Liverpool, they just look like an absolute freshing machine that they're going to go on. But what will be be interesting here is, if there's a scenario, I'm not saying this will happen, whereby the season doesn't finish and, and, I don't know, Liverpool aren't given the, the, you know, voted in as a champions or whatever. What will that do to them morale-wise? Or even even if they win it, by not by default, because they deserve to win it, but they don't win it, you know, on the pitch, as it were, mathematically. It has to be... I don't know. I'd be interested to know what that will do for you know. That'd be the question I'd be wanting to ask Klopp and his players. You know, as that sort of not because you you were flying, you were having the season of the of arguably of the club's history, really. Yeah. You know, in terms of the league. Yeah, it's true. You know, and that's kind of result your own. You know, been taken away from you. Is that is that going to affect you? So I don't know. The Broken Trophy Podcast. Catch us on Twitter at the Broken Trophy and on Instagram at Broken Trophy Pods. Well, the other okay. thing that we do on the on all the pods. This came up for a friend of the show, Simon, who was starting a conversation about what is a sport, what is not a sport. And right. quite quite surprisingly, it's to quite a passionate debate from everyone who comes on and on Twitter <laughs> around whether okay. sports are sports or not a sport. So we'll read them out to you. And if you just let okay. us know whether you think they're a sport or not. So some of them are fairly okay. obvious. So 
So, darts. <laughs> Sport. Okay. Table tennis. Sport. Snooker. Sport. Professional wrestling. That old WWE. Sport. Show. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, sorry. I thought when you said professional, I thought you meant not sort of stage. No, that's not a sport. That's a okay. show. Okay. Yeah. For that, I'm getting worried then. <laughs> um, rhyth- rhythmic gymnastics. Sport. Oh, okay. Wow. Lawn bowls. All going in. Sorry. Look, yeah, sorry. that's a sport, yeah. Lawn bowls, okay. Oh, I tell you what, you're, you're going to be pleasing some people on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> archery. Yeah, sport. Synchronised swimming. Sport. Oh, everything is going to A little pause, little pause there. Yeah. What's you weren't sure, were you? So, well, all right, so we'll, we'll flip it then, seeing as you're not playing game. So, what, what <laughs> so-called sport rocks up on TV or the internet, and you just think, there's no way that's a sport. Temping bowling, is that a sport? Uh, no, I think anything that you can, that you can be competitive in, you know, have a competition, that for me is kind of a sport. I'm, I'm, I, yeah. You know, so I think there has to be some element of, I don't know, I mean, synchronised swimming, you know, people couldn't have their opinion or not, but they are they are athletes. Now, darts aren't, darts players aren't necessarily athletic, but there's still a an element of skill and talent. I mean, I, listen, it's an interesting one. I'm surprised you can't come up with one that I'm dismissing because the only one I've dismissed is that professional because that is not competitive. That's all staged for me. Yeah, that's yeah, kind yeah. of my that's kind of my um, I suppose benchmark yeah. or my um, you know whatever. <laughs> we're gonna have to take that away, Steph, and we're gonna have to do some more research into this, like. There's got to be some more out there. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be some more. I think um, normally everyone has an argument about darts and snooker. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, that's you true. Interesting. You can hold a point whilst playing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can go down the road of saying it's a game because of, because of that element. I, I hear that, but it's a sport for me. They are sport. They're, they're not my favourite sport, but yeah, I, I sort of do class them as, as, as sports. Okay. Final, so final question that we've got sent in to kind of wrap it, wrap, us, wrap it all up so man you are playing Man City next weekend <laughs> football big crowd everything else you're there as you know the journalist trying to cover it what's the result you want for the best story 100 each <laughs> brilliant <laughs> okay well thank you Mike. That's, been a, that's been like a proper sports podcast no pitch it has <laughs> No, like, you know, can't believe you didn't let me to crowbar in the fact that I'm writing a novel and I've got an all these guys social. I know. We, coming out. We, How could you do that to me? I know, it's so harsh, isn't it? I mean, Stefan's a hard taskmaster in the in the host chair there. <laughs> yeah, barely mentioned as the if, books. Barely mentioned. As if, as if we talk about writing books, Jamie. As if we would do that. <laughs> well, I know. I know. Yeah, I can highly recommend it to anyone watching this. Write books. I'm <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I think that's the perfect ending to a perfect podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not <that> bombshell. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thank you.